and Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom. And uh, this is our 56th episode, so shout out to Lawrence Taylor. Um, <laughs> with it being the end of June, the draft is long gone. The majority of big name free agents have signed. OTAs have wrapped up, so things are a little slow this time of year, at least by NFL standards. But uh, that doesn't mean we don't have anything to talk about, especially since we haven't recorded since Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement. Wah, wah, wah. Mm. So we're going to focus a lot on the tight end situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we've brought in a special guest in order to do so. What options do the Bucs have at tight end? Do they need to make a move? What type of move would make the most sense? These are the type of questions that we are going to try to answer for you tonight. In doing so, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Capron, and we are expecting to have our other bo-host join us at some point during the show. So now it is my pleasure to introduce a first-time guest on the Bucks Banter podcast, Lori Fitzpatrick, at Lori Fitzpatrick on Twitter. Does some fantastic work over at USA Today and TouchdownWire.com. Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to, you know, talk, talk about K, talk about tight ends. You know, them and fullbacks don't get that much love. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Love it. And, um... Just a reminder, um, you can catch all of my written work over at BucksGameDay.com. Follow me on Twitter on the screen. All of our Twitter handles are up on the screen. Lori, tell us, like, do you want to plug any of your work before I start bugging you about your background and introducing you to our <laughs> listeners? Uh, no, I mean, you got it. You know, I'm with USA Today, Touchdown Wire. Um, I uh, I also do some videos on YouTube where I'll I'll take the articles that I write and kind of break them down in, in more of a film review session type of deal, you know, with, uh, with my face and I'm kind of using te clip draw telestration, kind of breaking it down that way. Uh, so, you know, anybody can find me on YouTube as well. Love that. That's awesome. awesome. Have, you, have you done that for Cade yet? Uh, no, I haven't done it for Cade yet. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's in the works. The article's a little, a little bit, I wouldn't say easier because I'm, you know, it's it's definitely hard to write for me. I'm I like to you know go over film and and just kind of I'm used to that. You know, when I used to play, uh, being able to just kind of go over the film and watch it and kind of break it down while it's happening. Um, but uh, I don't use as many videos. So with with the breakdowns on YouTube, I kind of have to make a bigger playlist and use more of the clip draw telestration to kind of put it all together. So it takes a little bit longer, but it's definitely more fun. Awesome, I love that. So, Lori, we want to know a little bit about your background. How did you get into writing about football to doing the video stuff? Tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are. And you're doing a great job. I can't wait to talk about this most recent article. Lori did a deep dive on KDOT, and, and it's fantastic. I shared it on my Twitter. I'll probably share it again. Super relevant to Bucks fans. But, yeah, Lori, tell us a bit about, about how you got to where you are. Yeah, so uh, I used to play football for the uh, IWFL and the WFA. Those are like the two biggest leagues uh, for women uh, tackle football. Uh, and it's it's basically NFL rules uh, and, uh, you know, two feet in for the catch. Uh, okay. You know, normal things like that. It's all, it's all NFL rules, though. Um, you know, one motion at a time. Uh, but uh, I played running back, corner. Uh, I played, you know, returner. I also played a little bit of linebacker, too. Uh, and those are the possession 
positions that I like to write about most because obviously I played those positions. Uh, but I played for five years uh, with a you know a couple different teams up in uh, Jersey. I played in Philly. Uh, we ran you know pistol offenses, you know wishbone RPOs, wing T, kind of like the old stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, I just, ever since you know I played, I just learned how to watch film, and I realized how important it was and how relevant it is, no matter what level you're you're watching or you're playing, it's all about the tape, right? And so then I started kind of like evaluating players and and whenever I would see something on TV, you know, I would post it on Twitter. That kind of just gained traction, I guess, you know, maybe being a female and not a lot of us are uh, are really breaking down the game. It's either, you know, you're reporting, you're, you're an agent or, you're, you know, you're on the sideline. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of women are really kind of breaking the game down and really understanding, you know, what, what they're looking at. So, you know, that, that just you know, really started to kind of gain traction for me. Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of, uh, e even though I grew up in Philly, uh, I watched a lot of the Jaguars. Uh, so I started doing it more with them. And uh, luckily, Big Cat Country from SB Nation, they, you know, they picked me up and they're like, hey, do you want to like do this a little bit more? And so, you know, I started doing it for them. And then um, I was part of SI a little bit too um, for, for the Jags. And then uh, luckily enough, uh, you know, I posted enough and, and I really like diving deep in the game. Doug Farrar, amazing writer with USA Today. You know, he, he asked me to join their team with uh, Mark Schofield. So it's been awesome. It's been great. And, you know, I try to do as much as I can on YouTube, too, because I like talking, as you could tell. So, uh, yeah, so that that's really all it's been. I'm just, you know, I enjoy it so much just because, you know, I grew up with, you know, my mom's boyfriend painting his face in the living room, watching the Eagles, like, yeah. you know, when I was younger. So I was always like a huge fan. My brother played, I played a lot of Madden. So yeah, my whole life has been surrounded by football and I was lucky enough to play it. So here I am today writing about it. And it's just, it's amazing to, to cover the NFL. So why are you not an Eagles fan? That's what I got to ask. Growing up in well, Philly, my like, mom, my mom asked me that player. all the time, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I like them. I, you know, I, I shed a, I shed a tear when they won, you know, my, uh, my dad got to see them win. Um, and you know, they really mean a lot to me, but, uh, my family always got so angry, always <laughs> so angry at, at, at this team. So, you know, when you're 13, 14 years old, you want to kind of take your own path. So I always like to see my family happy. So I always, you know, cheer for Philadelphia when they're playing. Um, but, you know, I took an interest in, with other teams too, and you know, liking liking the Jaguars have actually giving given me more time to enjoy the rest of the league because of how kind of they weren't really that great. You know, besides the the Jimmy Smith area, Fred Taylor, then MJD, yeah. but between those times, they weren't great. So I got to appreciate you know watching all of the games, mm. uh, and I I think that it ended up working out for me. But yeah, I don't really have an answer for that. Just I love the whole NFL. I, sounds like a very diplomatic reason. Like you're not like trashing the Eagles. You just kind of no. wanted to go your own way. I respect that. And Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith, especially. I was a big Jimmy Smith fan. Mark Burnell, like uh, those those are some fun teams in those days. So that's Jimmy cool. Darnell, man, they were sick. They were so good, and they came out of nowhere and they made the AFC Championship game in what, like their third or fourth year. It was yeah, it was yeah. They they put Dan Marino in a retirement. They beat yeah. them, beat their you know. 
I don't know if you can curse on the show, but they beat their behind 62 to seven, you know, yeah, that's... and it was just, uh, it was amazing. And I, what I liked about it so much was Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Cowboys and he went to Dallas. So I already had like this hate for him kind mm -hmm. of because I grew up like, you know, watching the Eagles yeah, and nobody yeah. liked, you know, uh, you know, Jim Johnson. So no. they, uh, they were, you know, able, the Jags were able to kind of take them out and, Stand, mm. send Dan Marino into retirement. So that was really fun. Yeah. Fred Taylor is a little underrated, man. He's not talked about as much as he should be. Oh my good. Like truly criminally not mentioned in the top 10 to 15 type of guy all time, given his numbers and longevity, he was fantastic for so long. What a, what a player. And honestly, Lori, like that rings a little bit true for me as well. Like, so where we are, like where I grew up was about 45 minutes from uh, like where the bills played. Right. And, I grew up a diehard fan absolutely like every Sunday and I just got more and more of an interest across the entire league. And maybe there's some gambling uh, angles that have to go with that. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for the courts, but yeah, I mean, uh, fantasy too. Yeah. You know? There's just, there's too much stuff on a given Sunday. Um, there's so much going on and I'm happy that the bills are good. And I was super wrong about Josh Allen and I'm happy for other fans that they're awesome, but I just don't, I'm just not as locked in as I was when I, when I was in my, like when I was a teenager, it's just it's the way it goes sometimes, you know? And Scott, you're yeah. a true objective observer. Like you don't even have, it's not like you vacated or like chosen another team. You just oh. work as a whole, which is unique. There's just too much going on. Like Sundays are just so crazy, you know? And if, if you're going to watch all day or you're going to have to be locked in from, you know, let's face it, like 10 AM until 10 PM, basically. Right. If, if with, with the various, with pools, with, with the games, with fantasy and all that stuff. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's great that the bills are good, but there's, there's so much more, so much more to cover. And now with this boom too, like I, I, I'm thinking about the bucks more than any other team, which is pretty funny. Cause like before this wouldn't have given a shit, like uh, unless Jameis gave a pregame speech somewhere that I needed to watch 10 times. So. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, okay. Jameis. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, we haven't touched on the big news coming out of Tampa. Really, it was it was the news of the day and the week in the NFL is, is Gronk retiring. And I think it's not just big news because of, you know, how accomplished he is as a player or how unique his personality and presence has been in the league. But I think a, the majority of people expected him to play. And it kind of was feeling like he was dropping hints all over the place. You know, I, I'm kind of glad I don't have to keep writing articles being like, he said this, so maybe he's coming back. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. Like, he, he's not coming back. He's retired. And I, I think that caught a lot of people off guard. And, and although I think Bucks fans are super appreciative of the two seasons he gave them, and one of them obviously including a Lombardi trophy, um, he was awesome. I, and I've talked a lot about how my perception of Gronk has changed so much, having him play for the team that I follow so closely and the team that I cover. Um, he's just, I've learned, like, like I guess I, I had this perception that he was just kind of like an attention seeker, kind of like a frat boy. I don't know, just like disingenuous maybe. And what I've come to learn he's such a great teammate and um, he is like beloved by all his teammates in the locker room. And, um, he contributes to winning a lot more than just catching footballs and and laying out defensive ends, you know, chipping them off the edge of the line, off the edge of the line. So, anyway, bit of a shocker, certainly unfortunate 
for the Buccaneers on paper because I think this is what I would consider their only true glaring weakness at this point. Like Gronk, Gronk felt like the final piece of the puzzle uh, of Jason Light's little offseason masterpiece here. Where, um, so I don't know what you guys think. What came like Scott for you? What what popped into your mind first? Because um, since you've been covering this team and you've talked so much about Gronk leading up to this decision. Yeah, well, first of all, and I, I don't mean to be cynical, or I, I don't know if this falls under the cynicism bucket here, but like I don't think he's retired, or I don't think he's done. Done. Yep. I like, <laughs> I just don't. So okay. His agent was it Ari Wasserman who or whoever came out, or Kevin Clark from the Ringer. Basically, it was it was five minutes after that Instagram post. It's like, yeah, but we'll see. Like Rosenhaus, yeah. So you know, if he's truly done, then wow, what a career. I totally get where you were coming from on not being the biggest Gronk guy, but I think it was really just because New England was so annoying for so many years. Uh, if you threw him on a completely neutral team like the Bears or something like that, and he was doing the same thing, I don't think there would have been any animosity towards him whatsoever. I really do think it was more New England based than um, you know his own personality uh, as to where that would have come from. That's just me speaking. I, I know what you're. I know where you're coming from, Colin, obviously, but no, you can, you can speak for me on that. You're bang on. Like I didn't yeah. like, I hated Tom Brady. Like, yeah. Well, look, here we go. Yeah. I think, I think you've turned a little bit as it, as it, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my, like my gut instinct, my first reaction was that he'll be back for week nine and uh, he'll be fresh and he doesn't want to go to training camp. Nine. <laughs> yeah. that Maybe that's overshooting it a bit. Yeah. No kidding. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was when I, when I heard it first. How about you, Lori? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm with Scott on this one. Because didn't he, like, pre-record him running and then send it to Bruce Arians so yeah. that, like, he didn't have yeah. to report in 2020? So multiple shirts, so it looked like different days. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> this true... guy does not want to go to training camp. No kidding. A true playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers moment. I mean, you got to give it up where, where, where it's deserved. So yeah, exactly. Gronk, That's the good veteran mentality. Yeah. Gronk was a chess star at Arizona too. No one knows that. Yeah, I know. People really? don't know that. No. no, no, he was not. He could only play checkers. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, sorry. Damn. Well, if gullible now, definition right no, there. Now it's going to come out that Gronk was actually a grandmaster chess player and like, you know, leading the pack 10 and uh, whatever rooks. Sure. That's a chess term. Go from there. I was like, see me judging a book by its cover. I don't oh, know. Yeah, no. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Catch calling it the pack 10 too, Scotty. Dang. Well, at the time, you know, we got to keep it. Uh, we got to keep it uh, relatable here. I know. That's just why you're here. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's sharp, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's... That's it. The only reason. Limited, limited. That might be it. Seriously. So, Lori, where does Gronk rank for you amongst tight ends all time? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say he's at the top, but he's pretty close. Um, you know, Shannon Sharp was pretty good. There, there are some other, there are some other guys that are obviously awesome, and and I think that a lot of people nowadays, even though we have the internet and we can search up and look up highlights of of amazing players, and not even just highlights, but like how influential or, or how, you know, how awesome some of these tight ends were. People are saying that he was number one. And mm -hmm. it's just like, do you just forget history? Were you born yesterday? Like, what's going on? But obviously, you know, he's he's an amazing player. I mean, him and Tom Brady did, you know, but they just they just had magic there 
yeah. you know, with, with the Patriots. So, and they were able to recreate that obviously with the Bucks. And that's another reason why I don't think he's retiring. I think he's going to stay with uh, Tom Brady until Tom Brady retires. They probably just made a little pact, but I wouldn't say he's like best of all time, but he's definitely up there. Fair take. Did you guys see that that picture of Shannon Sharp with his shirt off the other day? Yeah. Oh my god. I did not see that. What the heck is going on with my algorithm? How come I don't see that and you guys do? That's not <laughs> fair. Well, we saw it. And dear Lord, what he's in his 50s. It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You look like Colin in grade 10. <laughs> yeah. And boy, oh. I'm I'm only 35 and I do not look anywhere near how oh. I did in grade 10. Yeah. Wow. He, I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna turn my I, camera off for a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. crazy, though. You know, tight ends really are the most athletic player um, I mean, on a team, and and hopefully they don't go away. You know, and I think that's crazy. And I think that leads into the argument, or not argument, but the discussion for Tony Gonzalez potentially being the best, right? Just from yeah, productivity every year um, can do it all. And how many years did he play and was actually good? Like, was it was it eighteen years, something like that? And you know another another freak athlete. He played basketball at Cal as well, right? Just speaking to speaking to what Laurie said about the tight ends being uh, being as good athletes as anyone on the team, right? So, I I think just from a raw numbers and um, and just how long he did it for it, it's Gonzalez for me. Maybe Gronk's peak is actually better, but I would give the nod to Gonzalez. We can't forget about Antonio Gates too. Like yeah. he played forever. You yeah. know, I don't know how these guys play so long and they're doing all this blocking and it's just like, it seems like it's, it's the most like in the trenches and also like skilled. So it's just like, how do you keep it up for so long? But all these guys just don't want to give up. I think the thing is that none of them ever had breakaway speed or that was never part of their game. So the fact that they lost a step didn't really affect what they did necessarily because they still had great hands and they were still huge and could catch the ball and be red zone threats. That's kind of where I always, that's what I always thought with Gronk because it's like clearly he's not quite as fleet of foot as he was, but like, but so what doesn't mean that he was less really that less effective. Hey, eh, boom. Like, what do you think there? Yeah. I'd say he proved that in Tampa, man. Like that's, I'm always what, like, that's what I mean. His Tampa. Yeah. Like, has he always yeah. so, been so lumbering? And I think he has, like, he's certainly a little bit slower now, but yeah. it's just been, uh, been pretty wild. We got our, our bow host here. So oh, me, how do I get this off? Little click. Oh, what's good, man. What's going on, man? Sorry I'm late. Hey, man. What's up? Hey, meet Lori. <laughs> hey, what's up, Thanks, bro? Thanks, host Scott. I appreciate nice that. Trying to nice to meet you, Lori. Makes it in. Nice to meet you. We were just we were just discussing Rob Gronkowski's ranking uh, all time, and, and um, Lori and Scott are both kind of like, let's not get caught up in the recency bias. He's not quite there, but he's certainly in the conversation. And then we were just kind of – viewing it as a bit of a uh, tight end appreciation post or discussion. Um, and one, I wanted to add to that, like the one interesting thing. So one of the, not a critique, but if you're like, let's say you're a basketball fan, one of your arguments against football would be maybe it's just a bunch of specialists. Everyone has one job, right? You don't have to play defense. If you throw, yeah. you throw, you don't have to catch, you don't have to tackle, etc. cetera. Uh, tight end, you do have to be able to do multiple things. You literally occupy two positions. And I think, yeah, 
Gronk was a perfect example of that because he was so dominant as a blocker, right? That's the thing that no one even talked about like during those days at New England, but um, something that was just so nice to have uh, watching him these last two seasons. Just how, it's how impressive. If he, was, if he was shittier as a pass catcher, then that's when the blocking finally gets mentioned as yeah. a tight end. You know what I mean? If you're if you're less of an actual threat offensively, then it's like, but he can block and you can play him on all downs kind of thing, right? So, yeah, he's just too good. He was just too good. Yeah, so, so what I want to do now is I want to just, for our listeners, kind of dive into uh, the current roster at that position post-Gronk. What do we have? Um, of course, Cameron Bray has been, I think he's the third longest serving Buccaneer. He's almost at a decade. Um, he signed as an undrafted free agent out of Harvard. Um, and I mean, I know, I think most of us are familiar with Cam Brady's and my, my thing with Cam Brady is, is related to what we just talked about. He can catch the ball fine. He's actually got a bit of a propensity to find the end zone over the years and he's overachieved his whole career. That's why he was undrafted. The fact he's been around this long and made this much money is, is impressive in its own right. Like he almost belongs in the undrafted hall of fame just for how much money he's made. Um, but he can't like, he couldn't block a beach ball from rolling into the Gulf of Mexico. Like, he, he, <laughs> Ever tried that, man? Harder than it looks. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on what time of day, right. Scotty. Yeah, no kidding. Depends how long you've been out there. Yeah, exactly. With that bay breeze, you know, we'll never get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Bray, like, some people are kind of assuming, okay, maybe he's going to uh, step into this role and just have a monster season or something like that. But I think, I think like Gronk missed a bunch of games last year and Bray, I couldn't, Bo, you know, I was betting every week Bray over like three and a half catches or like 30, 30 yards receiving 29 and a half. Cause I'm like, if he can't get this, he's useless. He didn't hit it once. <laughs> so I'm not trying to like rip on Cam Braid. I'm just trying to be realistic in terms of the expectations. It's not his job to fill Gronk's shoes. He's got to be able to stay on the field, stay healthy, and catch some footballs. Um, but I, I'm not going to all of a sudden expect him to enter some new dimension of production on the field or change who he is, is what I'm ultimately trying to say. Yeah, and I think just thinking of Braid, and I think it was even the year before last where it was like, oh, those bets would actually cash because he was he just jump in and the number would be so low. He'd be like, yeah, for sure he can get two catches or for sure he can get 15 yards or whatever. But just asking him to do double that seems to be like an impossibility, basically. So and I think Bruce kind of knew that like throughout the throughout the time, right? He was just like, as soon as Gronk's available, this guy is on their back burner and just kind of like a a big jumbo tight end to, to like say, okay, we're going to get another, another quick pass out here when they think we're going to run it. But um, yeah, it's, it's a tough spot, right? For as a Bucks fan, I think you've been, you've had an embarrassment of riches. And I think this is just like kind of the first little preview of like, Hey, it's tough to build a roster. Like all 22 guys be awesome. Yeah. I felt like we were so close. I felt like Jason Light was low key putting together a masterpiece this year. It, like, it was like it would have uh, been a three peat for Jason Light, right? Because like, I'm sure I'm sure Lori can weigh in. But it's like, oh no, the Bucks don't have 22 Pro Bowlers to, to start this year. Fuck, <laughs> ah, what are we gonna do? Ugh. Well, yeah. you have Tom Brady, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he counts. Well. Anyway, I want to – so Cambrate is Cambrate, unless anyone wants to jump in. Like, Lori, I don't know if when you were doing your KDOT and film, tape study or if you have anything to add on Cambrate. Um, well, I just – when I when I released the, the article about Cade, 
you know, one of the responses were like, was like, yo, how are you just going to throw Cameron Bright to the side? Like, he doesn't matter and like <laughs> act like he doesn't exist and like all this stuff. And I'm, I don't really have an opinion on him. Like he did what he needed to do. Like, but you can't just expect him to be, uh, you know, so much better than what he is. So that's why I, I just think it was important to kind of look forward to Cade because I think he's, you know, he's a better round, he's a better all around player. Obviously, Cameron, you know, was suffice, but I think it was important to kind of look forward, you know, for the Bucks. Perfect. I agree. And just because you cover another player doesn't mean you're neglecting another one. Like, are you supposed to cover every single player on the roster in one article? Yeah. It's like the McDonald's guy that, you know, brought McDonald's for his son. Like, you know, I, do I have to bring the McDonald's to all the kids or can I just <laughs> bring, feed my kid? You know, I was when I was reading your article, I was like, why is, why is she not talking about Akeem Hicks? This is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's I mean, I think that's dead on about great. He will suffice. I think he could be a totally league average tight end if given the like a full uh, slate of games and targets and all that. I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Is he great? No. Do you, does he need to be? Probably not. But I think that's that's kind of uh, like you know the like where he would fall kind of thing. Yeah, it's to be expected, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and the reason I first connected with. Lori um, is because I read her article on Cam, uh, sorry, on Kate Otten, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super in-depth, super detailed. You had the video clips to back up your takes, and it was obvious you'd done your homework. And I mean, immediately the expectations for him are going to increase dramatically. I mean, that's just inevitable based on Gronk leaving. And um, so for anyone who doesn't know, and I, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you didn't, other than if you're my mother or something, but um Kate Otten, Bucks selected selected him in the fourth round, as predicted by yours truly, um, with the 106 pick. And great value there uh, for the Bucks, that's for sure. So, Lori, I want you to, you know, I want you, like, why did you decide to take a deep dive on Kate Otten in the first place? That's what I'm curious about. And what, what jumped out at you most in doing so? So I'm going to give you a little open-ended question to kind of take it with where you want to. Well, first, um, you know, if if I could write about, you know, the, the second tier players that have a chance to kind of make it, you know, that's what I love writing about. But unfortunately, that doesn't get all the clicks, right? What does get clicks is relevancy. So, you know, just being honest, the the first reason why I, I decided to write on him uh, was because Gronk retired. So um, I started looking into their, their roster, their depth. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out at me, though, was was how – Cade was he dropped a little bit in the draft um but you know I'll, I'll kind of do a little bit of background uh, maybe on Twitter do some searches on just like people's opinion on the players uh and one of the first things I saw was back in 2020 PFF labeled him as you know the third best tight end in all of college football and you know Kyle Pitts was number one so I was just like then he dropped into the fourth round so it was just like where did this guy go uh, then, you know, I, I watched his tape a little bit. Then I realized, you know, he, he got injured, uh, you know, and that that all happened during COVID. So him just only playing four games and being one of the top five uh, tight ends in college football just really intrigued me. So I decided to just dive a little bit deeper and, you know, why PFF felt that way and then why he dropped so far into the draft and he was just non-existent 
in 2021, like according to the media and all of the rankings and everything. So I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, super cool. And you're right. That's a perfect excuse to write about one of those guys you mentioned, like sort of just slightly out of the periphery or in the periphery lurking there. But and it's always nice to have done some due diligence on a player before they kind of bust out. Right. And it's like, yeah, I was on that first. Yeah. And it is the off season, Right. And I love just like evaluating players in general. So um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, because writing about schemes and then certain things that happened last year, like it's awesome to look back on things, but it's always, I guess, more fun to kind of look at, okay, what is this guy's potential and really look at what he does on film? Because not a lot of, um, well, a lot of people watch college football, but a lot of diehard NFL fans, they're not, you know, watching every single football game. So especially not the Huskies, you know, Washington. So it's just like, I like diving into the film and providing, you know, the fans with a deeper dive uh, that they not probably not going to get uh, elsewhere because, you know, ESPN's not going to talk about, you know, a, a tight end that's that's a rookie that got drafted in the fourth round behind someone that is already a suffice, you know, player in Cameron. So, you know, it's, it's always good to kind of dive deeper and say, okay, like, can this guy actually fill the role? And like, what does he do well? And where are his areas that he needs to maybe do a little bit better? Um, you know, but I try not to touch on the bad side as much uh, as as the good side. Just, you know, but that's why I'm here now, because I get to talk about maybe the the I don't want to say weaknesses, but areas that maybe this guy needs to focus on. Because You know, I've, I've done weaknesses in articles and players respond like really upset. And I was a player at one time. So like I know what it's like for someone to talk, you know, about me yeah. um, when there's nothing but potential going forward, especially if you're like so young. So. It's always kind of good to to show the fans what they do have if this player, you know, stays along that same line. Right. So, yeah. so in terms of his strengths, let's start with that, Lori. What what do you think are Kate Otten's greatest strengths that you saw from watch going back and watching the, the tape at Washington? So um one of the uh one of the one of the parts of the article that I wrote about um were his hands. And I do think that's his best trait uh, are, and not, it's not just catching. It's just the way he catches the ball. Honestly, it's how he doesn't break stride when he's running across the middle. He's always mirroring the QB. And I know that's not something that he's going to have to do with Tom Brady because Tom's not really rolling out of the pocket and he has to mirror him down the field and show him that he's open. But that is, that is a strength though, um, that he does well, you know, he, he tries to always keep the play alive. Um, but, one of his like one of the best things to watch is when he is catching the ball in traffic, he's able to concentrate really well, see it in uh, he catches it and he always tries to go for more. Like he doesn't just obviously like fall to the ground. Uh, he has good ball skills so he can run after the catch. Uh, and even if he's, you know, a couple yards short from the first down, he's probably going to get the first down. Um, he does jump balls pretty well. Actually I posted, um, I didn't, well, I did post a couple of clips of him catching the ball, but in the article, uh, I, you know, there's a slow-mo of him, you know, it's, I think it's a corner route that he runs and it's pretty deep too. And it was definitely contested. There were two defenders coming in and he does not care. Like he has that concentration and that play speed and strength uh, and the football IQ to go, you know, if I just catch this and go to the ground, you know, that's more important than, than, 
you know, getting sandwiched between two guys because he's mm-hmm. a big guy. Tight ends, you know, they're able to take a bunch of hits, and he's definitely that prototype t- tight end that will put his body on the line to to make a, uh, you know, a catch in traffic. And to, and to block, right? Like that's one of the yeah. things I like how you hit on his blocking, not just, you know, in pass protection, but in the run game as well. Speak to what he is as a blocker, Laurie. Yeah, so that was – um I kind of – I wouldn't say like I went off in the beginning about the blocking, but it kind of, it annoys me that, you know, tight ends that are good at blocking. And we kind of touched on this earlier. They're not as mentioned as much if, you know, if, if they can't receive or like, Oh, well, at least he can block, but it's, it's not really like, like, man, this is a really good blocker. Like you're not really going to talk about it. It's not on the stat sheet. Like only if you're a diehard fan or, you know, you're really watching the game like in detail or you play on the team. You're it's not really like offensive lineman the way it's discussed at that point, right? If yeah, you're not a real exactly. receiving threat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I, I hate the fact that we're judging tight ends um, and ranking them uh, just in terms of the receiving skills. So he is a pretty good blocker too. Um, I do think that like against the elite guys, uh, except for Aiden Hutchinson, he pretty much manhandled him, but um, as far as the guys that can jump off the line really quick, like at the snap, you know, they're maybe on the backside of a run play. He's blocking like the black backside, uh, defensive end, you know, sometimes that back end, that back, you know, backside defensive end will actually get to, uh, the play. So there were a couple, you know, times, but I guess, you know, we're going to get into the weaknesses, but, um, Sorry, the strength, his strengths in blocking are, are pretty decent, though. He he's a he's he's a pretty good all around uh, blocker. I would say uh, his run blocking is a lot better than his pass protection. He's it would be a mismatch against linebackers. That's for yeah. sure that are blitzing. It's a little bit tough, too. I, I think this year, just because Washington was so shitty after being good for a few years leading up to it. Right. Like they had a terrible year and a terrible offense in general. And uh you know, they just had a game manager before that, not Jake Browning as a quarterback, but kind of hard, a little bit harder to really assess any prospect on a pretty dysfunctional offense. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. He, he was in a mostly, you know, a running um, running offense hmm. uh, and he still did pretty well. Uh, so like in terms of receiving. So, I mean, he he has more experience blocking. Uh, and that's where I think he's going to do well and pair well with Fournette. Um, I know that, you know, Fournette may be a little bit, you know, down on the the, the depth chart. But, uh, you know, how I like Fournette. So, but I, I think he's going to be a really good Corey. run blocker. Hmm? Not on this podcast. He's not down on the depth chart. Let me tell you. That's good. That's <laughs> he good. can that's start my boy. quarterback as far as we're concerned. Damn right. Oh, man. Cal Lennon. Bell Cal yeah. Lenny, man, he's he, we'll, we'll we'll probably get to Lenny towards the end. I want to stick stick on topic, like sticky, like K Dotton's hands, because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Um, what about? Yeah. So, or sorry, one other thing I wanted to just kind of add too, as you're talking about, you know, or as we discussed, maybe he has limited limited production in college. Uh, partially could be attributed to like uh, unimpressive quarterback play, more of a running run based scheme on offense. Yes. Um, but also I think it's important to acknowledge that generally statistical production from the tight end position is not something that's usually very explosive at the collegiate level. You look at some of the best tight ends in the NFL and they weren't shit in college. If you look at the box scores only, right. So it's so much more about that scout, like actually watching the tape. Took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say, I feel, but then I, 
I wasn't 100% sure, so I wasn't going to throw it out there. But I feel like we get super productive tight ends in the NFL, and you see their senior year at, well, it's either Iowa or Virginia. Those are the <laughs> two every single time. And they had 437 yards or something like that, right? Yeah, or they or they averaged 13 and 8 on yeah. uh, in the NCAA tournament. They weren't even on the football field. Like, well, yeah, well, if, if you played at Virginia and you averaged 13, you would have been the high scorer. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but like like George Kittle, for example, and it, that actually was Iowa. I don't think he had insane numbers, and I know that's just cherry picking one. But boom, you're 100 percent right. It's more about seeing what they can do and looking at the tape and uh, what they project out to be as opposed to production in college. That's just, just like from a tertiary kind of, uh, you know, 20,000, uh, 20,000 foot view. Uh, so Lori, we, you know, great job assessing some of his, his specific strengths. What do you think he'll need to work on or improve upon most in order to stay on the field as a rookie? What are his weaknesses? I would really just, say his pass blocking against those bigger DNs, he does an okay job. Um, but it just seems like the, the dominant guys, uh, have a quicker jump than him. Uh, you know, when, when he's kind of backing up to, you know, to obviously get into his pass block stands, kind of like, you know, what, what the offensive linemen do, uh, they can get around him, uh, pretty easily, obviously if they're, you know, faster and, and stronger, but, I, that sounds like obvious, right? You know, anybody that's faster and stronger. Um, so honestly, it, it would really just be him not gaining more weight, um, maybe just a little bit, uh, but just being having better hand hand work when you are kind of going against those ends because uh, you want to be able to hold them off as long as possible. So I, I just think it's something that maybe, you know, it, it could be a weight thing. And that would really be his, like, there's not too much of a downfall, to be honest. No. Like, I, I didn't see it just because the only time he didn't catch the ball was when the quarterback didn't throw it on target. So I can't even say that there is a weakness in, in his receiving game. It really just looked like blocking a lot of the time. But that, but that feels coachable, and yeah. now football is his job. So he'll get even stronger. He'll be – all hand placement, everything like that will just be worked on and drilled on him every day. And, you know, that, I mean, those seem like very doable kind of targets for him, right? Yeah. And what I liked most really about his blocking was how he finished a lot of the blocks. So he could take an impact pretty hard. Uh, you know, when I was watching, uh, which game was it? I, I'm not sure if it was Utah or, or Arizona. Uh, there was, you know, they were in the red zone and, you know, he picked up two blitzers at one time, you know, and these guys are coming full speed from the second line of, of the defense and coming right through. And, and he's putting his nose like, you know, right with theirs. He's, he's not shying away from contact. A lot of times when, uh, when he was either setting the edge uh, or, you know, uh, putting the guy to the outside to, for the running back to run off of his back, he's blocking to the ground. So he's definitely a finisher. And that like tenacity is something that you can't coach. Yeah. So he does have that, uh, you know, that will to finish the block all the way to the ground. So that's definitely an upside. The thing I've, I've I'm starting to feel like Kate Otten is kind of um, what you would call like a high ceiling, high floor guy. So like in a lot of ways, he fits the box of like, you know, you're going to get like worst case at Austin Hooper style production, like a big body there who's got enough grit to get the, get it done and a good enough hands to catch the ball right but then at the same time it seems like he he has enough traits 
that uh, he could potentially hit and and become much more than that, which would which would make him tremendous value based on where he was taken, 106 overall. So yeah, um, you know, that- I, well, one thing though, like I that I did I didn't mention about his strengths um, are his is route running too. So when he had to move defenders, whether that's in zone just to kind of freeze them, uh, or if it was you know him coming out of a stem in man to man. I think he he takes you know some uh, some misdirection steps to to move guys uh, and and the way that he uses his body uh, coming out of like his break or something like that or even just using head fakes when he's coming out of his break uh, you know looking directly in and then cutting it out those little things and then he's such a good you know contested uh, catcher that I think his I think he, people are going to be more impressed with his with his route running uh, than anything. Love it. I love it. Just keep going. No, I, yeah. Uh, so why do you think this is my last one I got? So if anyone else has has another question on, on Kate Otten, because that's what we're talking about with Lori Fitzpatrick of USA Today, in case you're just tuning in to, the, to our live show here. Shout out to Neil L on YouTube. What it do, baby. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Lori wrote an awesome article breaking down Kate, Kate Otten's tape, and he's all of a sudden become even more of an important figure. Uh, for the Buccaneers this season, which will be his rookie season. I want to know, because you even mentioned PFF, for example, had him as like in 20 entering the 2020 season as the third best tight end. Um, and, and of course, we already talked about it. COVID struck. He had some injuries. so he missed a lot of time. But why was he the fifth tight end drafted, do you think? Like we got Trey McBride, Jelani Woods, Greg Dolchich, and Jeremy Rucker all going off the board, board before him. What do you think hurt his stock, Lori? Like, do you have any – is it just that, that he missed too many games? And Yeah, I mean, it's – you know, the, the league is n- not what you can do for me. It's what can you do for me now, right? Mm-hmm. So he only played four games. So it's like, what do they have to go off of? And you know what the draft is all about the noise. It's all about, like, let's post clips of, of what they just did because their whole future is in question if they – you know, missed anything in, in the last couple months. Uh, so it's just like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. That's why I think he's going to be a lot better than, and I don't like people watching this and say, Oh my God, she's going to predict that he's going to be the next, you know, all pro that's stupid. Right. But I just think his fundamentals are good enough. If, if he's able to take that next step, he, he will be able to, to do pretty well uh, just based on what he showed in college. But it was really just him missing games, uh, you know, in in 2021. He only played four. Yeah. So I just think that's what the analysts, you know, that's what they look at. I don't – they're they're so pressed to push out so many, like, rankings and everything else. They're not going to waste their time on 2020 film, like, unless they were already, like, top of the top. So they're not going to look back and base him off that. They're going to look back to 2021. They see he only played four games. So That makes a lot of sense. And tight end also feels like a position where a team might just like one guy better for whatever reason. And then that could, that could, that could drop the next tight end a whole nother round, right? Because there are only so many taken in a given year, right? Exactly. So- yeah. Yeah. And, and then you think about the type of offense he was in. So yeah. it's like, how many chances did he actually get? Yeah. You know, could he really show, you know, what he, what he could do? There are a lot of times where players in college are actually in the wrong position, you know, and maybe they don't get drafted and then 
they come into the NFL, then coaches like, oh, you're supposed to be here. Then they're they're amazing, right? Yeah, so, right. like you know, like it, Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. So, um, you know, I'm just glad that uh, you know Gronk retired, and I was able to watch his film because you know, like you mentioned, Scott, I didn't I didn't even really know about Cade that much. Uh, you know, just kind of learning more about the draft in these last two years because I was really just stuck in the NFL. Um, I didn't really get to watch a lot of 2020 either. So now I was kind of able to kind of go back and, uh, and check out what he was able to do. So I just think he was in a less fortunate situation. Uh, and then obviously that, that foot injury. Uh, so he didn't attend anything either. So that also uh, hurt him as well because of that injury. Yeah. And then you got like, you know, combine and, and yeah. workout uh risers right guys like jelani yeah. woods who shot up draft boards based on their physical physical intangibles and like you said Lori, then all of a sudden um someone like kate Otten kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and mm -hmm. hopefully that you know hopefully him getting lost is the bucks gain in the end because they certainly have a need for tight end especially now shout out to rock 813 new to the show in the chat appreciate you rock 813 we're talking bucks we're talking tight ends um with Lori fitzpatrick of usa today and getting some fantastic, fantastic intel on a deep dive Lori just did on Cade Otten. Also, um, can you just say also Cade Otten, just a great football name. Yeah. Right? Cade. How do we not touch on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. <clears throat> I'm with that for sure. I yeah. agree. Kids got to be so, nails. So what's the, like, the final verdict? Are we thinking Cade's going to end up with that starting job or, or what? I think, uh, yeah, sorry. I mean, if he builds the rapport with Tom Brady, um, I think it's all about, you know, what Tom has to say. Um, yeah. it, it'll, it'll probably, I think Brandon Thorne uh, touched on their situation as well. He wrote an article saying that it would be kind of a, you know, it would be split. Uh, the touches would be split until maybe, you know, one of them takes off, um, but they would really kind of battle uh, between them. Yeah, I think it's going to come down like, you know, you're right. And, and Tom Brady's got to win this year more than anyone. I mean, it's probably very likely his last season, of course. So mm -hmm. as much as he has earned to have a say in that locker room and with personnel things, I feel like it's got to be at, at an all-time high for him. I mean, if Brady says get Kate on the damn field, I think Todd Bowles is going to appease him as long as it's not on the defensive end. He doesn't want him in there at edge rusher or something like that. <laughs> uh, and, yes, Rock 813, Kate already seems like a beast. Um yeah, man, we're going to have – this will be posted after too. So you, you did miss most of our Kate Otten discussion, but tons of good tidbits in there by Lori, uh, as mentioned. And I'll be sure to share her article again uh, within the actual YouTube uh, description when I get a chance to alter that. I yeah, do that, that bump and run. What's that? That bump and run, he, he knocked Hutchison, you know, down pretty – pretty. It was, it was pretty funny when I watched that on film. I was over here laughing to myself. Uh, in, in a room that was super quiet when I saw him knock over Hutchinson. So in I think room. I think he's exciting. In a I room think, that was super quiet makes it so much better too. I like that. <laughs> I, I think uh, Hutchinson got held on that play. <laughs> yeah. Sight unseen. I remember it. And yeah, held. I think three guys. I think he got tripped too. Yeah. Other than Probably that, tripped, right? Really yeah. yeah it's Urban Meyer. But, Urban Meyer came out of nowhere and just. Don't worry. Out. I got a couple of Urban Meyer questions for uh, Lori on the back end. <laughs> Don't no. Know about it. 
he also, like you mentioned the Utah game, he lined up against Devin Lloyd, right? That was a guy he was able to hold his own against, who's a, an impressive, impressive NFL prospect, as I'm sure you're very excited about, Laurie, to get him where you did. Um, but I do want to I do want to shift to because yes, okay, so that's exciting. Kate Otten looks great. We love that. Okay, Cameron Brait, as long as he is what he is and he can stay on the field, I would expect him to contribute in the passing game specifically. But the need for a blocking tight end, whether they go 11 or 12 personnel, I mean, that's going to vary depending on who's available. But uh, the Bucks also drafted – they drafted two tight ends, don't forget. And they took a – they moved up. They moved. They traded two picks to get a guy named Ko Keefe, who so many people had no idea who he was. Um, and he ultimately is probably the best blocking tight end in the country. So that's a specialist on the blocking side of things. Kind of reminds me of Anthony O'Claire, former player out of Laval who played for the Bucks. Um, he was last with the Houston Texans. Um, and, and he made a real name for himself in Tampa just by being a blocking specialist. That's what the Bucs are going to expect from Co'Keefe, the chief. And, um, you know, we had uh, our publisher, Logan Robinson. He was he was at all the Bucks OTAs and rookie minicamp. And he said it was pretty obvious that they were really trying to force feed the ball to Co'Keefe, even though he only had like seven catches in college. So. Just another name to keep an eye on there in terms of the in-house options, who the Buccaneers already have. I'm dying laughing because I, I I remember him, I remember seeing his name when he got drafted. I never looked up his like picture. Kokeef looks like he had he's like looks like Ryan Jensen had a baby with Ryan Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're right. And and just right on brand with that, man. I don't know if you saw he was best draft family draft like footage i've ever seen as they were watching it in a garage his uncle's like <laughs> french inhaling a cigarette his mom's yeah. like shotgunning a, a natty light like a natty lights yeah, they had yeah, yeah the viking boat in the back just yeah. on the wall yeah. yeah it was amazing and rock 813 says kate and break could be a dangerous tight end duo i will give you this rock 813 um on youtube the fact is they certainly co- would complement each other well in the sense that um you know if kate's proves to be apt as a blocker right away and can kind of adjust to that NFL athleticism and physicality, it's going to allow Bray to simply continue to play his role and not feel any sort of pressure to become something he's not. But, um, and then, so in terms of free agency though, there are some veteran options available still. And, and I mentioned off the top, the majority of big name players have, have landed with a team. Um, but there are a few names that we've seen a lot over the years, gotten very familiar with. The guy, I wrote a piece about this um, on SI for Bucks Game Day. Uh, and the names that I brought up that I just want to throw out all together, and we can kind of see, like, ask you guys if any pop out at you, um, is Kyle Rudolph, Eric Ebron, Jared Cook, and Jimmy Graham. All vets. All vets and all, all players, I think, will at the very least be under consideration. Um, I don't think Jason Light's going to, like – be panicky or anything like that i think he you know whatever but do any of those names strike any sort of interest or appeal to you from a buccaneers perspective bo i know you you i know you're a jared cook guy dude come on now no i i just i don't know i just feel like you got your you bucks fans are just kind of falling in love with the name more than anything at this point and like yeah i love jared cook i think he'd be a good i think he's a good option for a team like this but like i don't know like I don't think you really need to go out and get another tight end right now. I, I agree. think you guys are good with where you're at. Maybe not have a former Pro Bowler at one position at least. Yeah, Colin, and especially when you asked, do those names do anything for you? Like, no, they do not. And I, yeah. I can't quit Eric Ebron. He's still he's actually starting in my fantasy baseball team this summer. Um, 
because I just can't, you know, let go of them. Um, but no, I don't think any of them are, you know, tilting it too much for the Bucks. I think if if they like what they have, then that's that's fine. Also, you know, hearkening back to what we said about Gronk potentially coming back or you know, unretiring, whatever you need to, however you need to label it. There's that. So I don't know. Those guys aren't doing a ton for me personally. I can kind of see why some teams would be interested and in especially pairing any of them with a, uh, with a great quarterback. Like I get it. It's just, it's just not doing it for me. And, you know, I think it might just, just end up being a wait and see approach. Like Jason light's not going to panic yeah. on this and you never know who's going to become available in the trade market. Um, guys on expiring deals or maybe a team, you know, some shit happens and like Schultz from Dallas is a name that's been rumored as like a potential yeah. trade option at some point. You never know what can happen. Um, so, so we'll kind of see what, what plays out there. I, I tend to agree with you guys in terms of th- those guys are all status quo. So if there's four of them out there, what's the rush? Like mm-hmm. three of those guys aren't all of a sudden going to sign and you're not going to have an option. The one thing I'll disagree with is that they don't need one potentially. I think another veteran who's, a, who I, I think who has, ability and experience could be useful just based on the fact that two of the Buccaneers playable tight ends at this point are rookies. I mean, to me, that's a concern. The one veteran who you could rely on is Cam Brady, strictly receiver that I've just, I'm just beating over the head that point. Poor Cam, like, sorry, dude, I know we get it. You're not the best blocker. You can catch though. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of where that stands. And I think like, you know, I think we've done a good job of, of digging really deep into Kate Otten, which is a name that that Bucks fans are going to need to get familiar with. We've, we've paid homage to to one Rob Gronkowski. But I don't know if you have any thoughts you wanted to catch up on. I feel like you, you joined us during the Gronk talk, right? No, I, I think I'm, I was right at the tail end of it. But so, before, yeah, like what do you Gronk's want? awesome. Like who? Yeah. Like <laughs> unless you just absolutely hate Boston, which. I know a lot of people like that, actually. But Gronk was always a guy that you kind of had a soft spot for. So to see him go out like this and to, uh, on top of that, not really pay any mind to the Patriots, was it was nice. It was it was uh, really fun while it lasted. And I think I'm right with Scott in saying I'm not totally sure that he's done. Well, like, both- if... I got to give it to you, man. It was a couple yeah. episodes ago. It was like a month ago. You were you were like oddly confident he was going to come back mid-season. Yeah, I, I like. I really. I just feel like if it's Tom Brady's last year and it's apparent, and he's just sitting at home, and he's like, I could definitely play for like six weeks in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I, I like. It's like his best friend. His like best, obviously his best football friend, and like maybe his best friend in life in general. <laughs> Like, why wouldn't he just go off of come off of his couch and be like, "Yeah, I can do this." Fair, fair. Well, folks, I think uh, I think we have exceeded our quota um, for time this evening, and um, glad we got all three of us in here, and especially glad we got Lori Fitzpatrick for her first ever appearance on the Bucks Bander podcast. Lori, you were fantastic, and I can't tell tell you guys enough. You should check out her work at Touchdown Wire. Follow her on Twitter at Lori Fitzpatrick, but it's spelled different, so you can see it on the screen. Um, I've retweeted some of her stuff, so make sure you follow me at SI Buccaneers. Um, and you can catch all my written work at si.com slash NFL slash Buccaneers or straight at BucksGameDay.com. You where our podcasts are available for streaming through your preferred podcast service. Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. We appreciate you for listening. And until next time, go Bucks. <laughs>